The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall, joining you for the next hour. Then Leslie is going to actually be back for the following hour from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern. That's 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific. And then finally, I will return uh, again with Brad Bannon, who's with me this hour, uh, for the final hour of the show, which is 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern, 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific. Brad Bannon runs Bannon Communications Research, a polling message development and media firm which helps labor unions, progressive issue groups, and Democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns. Brad's also a senior advisor to and contributing editor for MyTiller.com, the social media network for politics. He lectures in political science at Salem State University in Salem, Massachusetts. You can follow him on Twitter, which I'd highly recommend, at Brad Bannon. That's B-R-A-D-B-A-N-N-O-N. If you'd like to follow myself, Mark Grimaldi, you can do so at Mark J. Grimaldi. That's G-R-I-M-A-L-D-I. Brad, welcome back to the show. Long time no talk. Yeah, Mark, I miss really missed you, but it's good to be back. <laughs> yeah, so, Brad, uh, I want to get right into things because there's a lot to talk about um, in the last 24 hours that's come down uh, regarding Donald Trump, which, you know, a lot of the air has been sucked out of the room with uh, this Comey uh, email story with the very vague letter that he sent Congress, which you and I talked about at, at you know, in detail yesterday, um, which is still uh, kind of developing. We have uh, the FBI apparently loading uh, a lot of these emails into a special computer to see how many of them are duplicates, basically ones that they've already reviewed uh, during their previous investigation. Um, and, you know, that story will continue. Uh, the Department of Justice saying they're going to do everything they can to expedite the process and get this done as fast as possible. Um, obviously, we've seen the Republicans pounce on this. But as that's been taking up a lot of attention, there's been a number of stories that have developed since Friday. Um, and uh, a former colleague of uh, of yours, a very good writer, Robert Schlesinger of uh, U.S. News and World Report, released a great article that I would highly recommend uh, people typing into their search engine when they get a chance. If you're driving, just try to remember it. Uh, it's, I also retweeted it. It's called What Trump Was Up To While Everyone Focused on Comey's Letter About Clinton's Emails. And he actually updated it today. He, he wrote it last night, and then it was updated because more news had come out. Um, we're going to go down the list of this, but I'm going to give a quick a quick uh, read of it, and then Brad's going to jump in, and we're going to start off at the top. So uh, bear with me, Brad, if you uh, if you wouldn't mind. Um, this is from Robert. If, like many, you're a surface-level consumer of news, you might think that there's been only one story in the days since James Comey, the director of the FBI, released his bombshell letter to Congress on Friday. This, despite the fact that the letter raises more questions than it answers, most importantly, whether there's anything new in this news, and more broadly, whether it has any bearing at all on the campaign, hence my use of the shruggy emoticon as a public service allow me to round up some of the fun nuggets you might have missed for the for the all the focus on shruggy eight 
The New York Times, number one, reported that, quote, in the early 1990s, as he scrambled to stave off financial ruin, Mr. Trump avoided reporting hundreds of millions of dollars in taxable income by using a tax avoidance maneuver so legally dubious his own lawyers advised him that the IRS would most likely declare it improper if he were audited, end quote. So that sounds like it could be bad. Number two, the Trump campaign is refusing to pay its pollster three quarters of a million dollars, the Washington Post's Matea Gold reported yesterday. This will come as a surprise to precisely no one who has paid attention to Trump's career. He is, after all, well known at this point for leaving a trail of unpaid bills and contractors in his wake, and it's not ancient history. His policy staffers quit when they weren't paid as promised, and his campaign even managed to run afoul of the Tween Girl Act quote, USA Freedom Kids over promises unfulfilled. Oh, hey, and according to the great writer Kurt Eichenwald of Newsweek, Trump has an email problem of his own. Apparently his companies have deleted lots of emails in defiance of court orders. Uh, I hear from Donald Trump that doing that sort of thing is disqualifying for the presidency, Schlesinger says. Uh, Additionally, uh, we have three stories relating to Trump ties to Russia, uh, Mother Jones' David Korn reported that over the summer, a, quote, former Western intelligence officer who spent almost two decades on Russian intelligence matters and who now works with a U.S. firm that gathers information on Russia for corporate clients compiled, quote, troubling information indicating connections between Trump and the Russian government. According to his sources, he says there was an established exchange of information between the Trump campaign and the Kremlin of mutual benefit, end quote. The former spy concluded that Russian intelligence services had, quote, compromised Trump when he had visited Moscow and could, quote, blackmail him. Korn adds, quote, the former spy says he concluded that the information he had collected on Trump was sufficiently serious to share with the FBI. Uh, And then Schlesinger writes, for what it's worth, the New York Times reported Monday that the FBI has concluded that Russians are merely trying to disrupt the U.S. election, not affirmatively help Trump. Uh, as Schlesinger so inept, or, uh, correctly points out, in my opinion, this doesn't explain why that attempt at disruption has only targeted one political party. Number two story on Russia yesterday. Slate's Franklin Four that uh, reports that a group of malware hunters uh, had stumbled upon what appeared to be uh, clandestine communications between a Trump server and that of a Russian nationalist bank called Alpha. The Times also reported that the FBI has dismissed these connections as innocent, so it is important to note that, but it's also interesting how little media coverage it has received with the theme of Trump's ties to Russia. That wasn't all regarding Trump's ties to Russia yesterday. This next matter has not been uh, closed at all. NBC News is reporting that the FBI, quote, has been conducting a preliminary inquiry into Donald Trump's former campaign manager, Paul Manafort's foreign business connections. That was the third and final story regarding Russia that Schlesinger shared. Uh, Additionally, though, there's more. Over the weekend, Trump started claiming that Hillary Clinton wants to utterly dismantle our borders. She doesn't. And that this would lead to 650 million people coming into the country in just her first week in office. For perspective, that would entail all of Mexico, all of Central America, and four-fifths of the population of South America moving to the states. And here I didn't think Trump could come up with anything more absurd immigration-wise than either that Mexico will build his wall or that we could round up and cart away everyone already in the country without legal documentation, Schlesinger writes. Uh, He also reports a story. Trump continued, this is extremely disturbing, especially with the fact that he has the nerve to talk about voter fraud, Trump that is. Trump continued suggesting that the election is rigged over the weekend and went so far as to tell 
Colorado residents that they should vote in person even if they've already voted by mail, which is the way most voting is handled in that state. Because, you know, the system is rigged, so maybe their votes won't actually be counted. To be clear, he wasn't actually saying that people should vote twice, but rather thinks that people can cancel their previous vote and cast a new one. Just for the record, Colorado's elections are overseen by the Secretary of State there, who is a Republican. And while there's no evidence of large-scale in-person voter fraud, Trump's repeated warnings of system rigging have prompted at least one of his supporters to, you guessed it, try to vote twice. Trump's vice presidential candidate, an additional story, confirmed what anyone with a wit of sense has known for months and months, that Trump will break with decades and decades of president and not release his tax returns before the election. As Chuck Todd pointed out, and this is very important, Trump just filed his tax return for this year, so it can't yet be under audit. Remember, his reason for not releasing the returns is his claim, for which he has produced no proof that he is under audit. But no, that won't be released either because, you know, non-transparency. Some of you probably did see in the media a Trump supporter chanted, USA, USA, at the press area at a rally over the weekend. Trump's campaign manager, Kellyanne Conway, told CNN Sunday that the person was, wait for it, deplorable, which is now an acceptable way to refer to some Trump supporters, I guess. A video surfaced of Trump making humiliated and sexually degrading comments about a former Miss Universe and then going in for an uninvited kiss because, as we've heard him tell Billy Bush, that's just how he rolls. Trump also claimed that the murder rate is at a 45-year high, which it's not. He accused Clinton of having bribed Attorney General Loretta Lynch by publicly offering to retain her in a job. Clinton has made no such offer, and Lynch in July said that she would abide by Comey's decision to prosecute or not, which she has so far. Trump also brought back up his greatest hits, like being pro-torture and a climate change skeptic. And speaking of his greatest hits, finally, the Washington Post's David Farenthold gave the latest installment in his series on how Donald Trump is not nearly as charitable as he so often claims to be with a horrific story about how t- Donald Trump uh, forced himself into participating in a special charity ribbon-cutting for a nursery school that specialized in helping children with AIDS, even though he donated no money to the cause. So that's a big roundup by Robert Schlesinger. His final paragraph, which I think is also important to note, as he, he does a great job, says, Given enough time, Trump will do or say anything to overreach or otherwise drown out Comey's email gate. Whether eight more days is enough time is now seven. Enough time is unclear in one respect, but in another, as demonstrated above, Trump continues his madness unabated. It's just that the media's main focus is elsewhere. Regardless of whether anything comes of this, there is an informational opportunity cost to Comey's little bomb. The story, or to this point non-story, has been all-consuming, drowning out Trump in his repellent form of insanity. And this potentially has a cost. As Schlesinger noted Friday, the trend during this campaign has been that whoever is in the spotlight has tended to suffer in the polls. Will survey results bear that out in the coming days? Will Comey's last-minute disclosure tilt the election and, worse, saddle us with the Trump administration? Well, Brad and I are going to talk about that after this break. If you'd like to join in, the number to do so is 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. Again, this is Mark Grimaldi in with Brad Bannon. You can join us at 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Again, Leslie Marshall will be back joining us uh, in the next hour hosting. And then Brad and I will return for our second part of our two-part series today from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern. We'll talk to you after this short commercial break. You're listening to The Leslie Marshall Show. 
Truth for all sides of the spectrum. 888-6-LESLIE. Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. So, Brad, I know I outlined a lot of information, which we're going to dig deeper into um, as we go on here and during the next hour, but uh, I know you've worked previously with Robert, and uh, I think he did a really excellent job rounding up what I was having trouble keeping track of, honestly, on Twitter yesterday and the day before. All these stories that seemingly would have a lot of importance regarding who you're going to vote for, or at least just public information about yeah, the, somebody uh, who could be president. Hold on one second, Brad. Yeah. Pu- at least Robert public information right. about who uh, could be president. A and lot of stories have been completely ignored. Yeah, I, I just to me, this is the public, If the, the same argument about the public has a right to know from, you know, about this story, about this letter, which you can argue either way because of department policy, which says you're not supposed to release prejudicial uh, information 60 days before an election. And, you know, and like I was just talking with someone off air, that would be unless they had made a final finding and knew they were going to prosecute, that I think would be different. But not only did they not do that, they didn't even look through the emails. But the point I'm making is the press is treating that with so much information, but there's these other stories with a lot more information that is a lot further along in the findings that is hardly getting any attention at all. And these are significant stories. Like the one about the New York Times yesterday uh, releasing this information regarding the fact that he, Trump may have broken uh, the law with his taxes, and he did it over and over again. Or the emails, that's probably the biggest one, I have to say, Brad. The Kurt Eichenwald story about the fact that through the years, he's over and over and over again deleted all these emails that the these federal investigators wanted goes right to the point of his argument against Hillary Clinton, doesn't it? Yeah, I think there are two different issues here that Robert addresses. Uh, The first one is the issue with the FBI. Uh, One of the things that troubles me uh, is that uh, Director Comey has said uh, that he is going to uh, investigate these emails uh, as fast as he can and report the results. Now, the problem is there are 630,000 of these emails on this server. Uh, and how you get through, thoroughly analyze 630,000 emails between now and Election Day, I don't think it can be done thoroughly. So you have a risk here of uh, the FBI releasing information uh, that's premature uh, or spotty. Now, it's clear that if you look at the national numbers that this story has some impact. Uh, Last Thursday, uh, you had uh, Hillary's national polling lead was probably about 4%. 
Uh, right now, it's probably 2%. Uh, so this has dinged her up. And I think the FBI has a responsibility uh, to handle this uh, with a lot more caution than the director did, because I just don't see how they can do a thorough investigation in seven days. And we'll see what uh, Comey has to say. Uh, the other thing of all those issues uh, that haven't been covered, and they haven't, uh, is this thing with Russia. Uh, this is just a long series, in one in a long series of events that suggest uh, Donald Trump uh, is at worst uh, a uh, you know doing the bidding of Vladimir Putin, um, or at least being a useful stooge. Uh, for Putin. Let's, you know, go back here. First of all, all during the campaign, he has said all sorts of things about what a great guy uh, Putin is. And remember, this is a guy uh, who is a dictator, uh, and before he became uh, premier and president, uh, party secretary, he was the director of the secret Russian secret police. This is not a nice person. Uh, he's a dictator. Uh, he's basically runs a police state. Uh, but, you know, despite that, you can't get bad word uh, from Donald, uh, out of Donald Trump about Vladimir Putin. Second, uh, and this is even more troubling, uh, several months ago, uh, Trump said to an interviewer uh, that if the Russians invaded uh, a country uh, in Eastern Europe, uh, he as president would not automatically come to the aid of that country, even though it's in the NATO alliance and we're bound by treaty uh, to come to the aid of any uh uh, of NATO member who is attacked uh, by a non-NATO member, in this case, uh, Russians. And he just seems to have this blind spot with, with Putin. And, you know, it's not surprising. I mean, he has all sorts of business investments uh, in Russia. Uh, his former campaign manager obviously did, too. And I find this is very troubling uh, that basically our, you know, greatest adversary in the world uh, seems to have outside influence uh, on Donald Trump. You know, I, all I can think of is Ronald Reagan must be turning over in his grave. Russia under Reagan uh, was part of the, was the evil empire. Uh, now the Republican candidate uh, for president uh, just think the Russians are just great people. Uh, and I think that's very troubling, especially in, his light, in light of Trump's comments about basically sandbagging our NATO allies. Hold that thought, Brad. We're going to go to break. We'll be right back. If you'd like to join Brad Bannon and myself, Mark Romaldi, you can do so at 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. We're with you for the next half hour. Then you're going to have Leslie from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern. And Brad will return uh, with myself for the second hour of uh, 
what we're discussing today, which uh, before the break, Brad, you did a good job um, of kind of summarizing the effects of the two portions of Robert Schlesinger's work that he was discussing. So um, what I wanted to do is, you know, you're talking about the bigger picture, and there is some polling I want to get to, but I first, because, uh, you know, we're discussing how these topics aren't getting enough airtime, here's our, a great opportunity to discuss them more at length. So, you know, it's it's honestly hard to uh, point out what probably, what I would say is the most, you know, the top of the rundown here, if you will, as a news person, what should be first. But I would say because of the the work that, you know, we've been here, the article that we've been hearing regarding Comey and the emails, this story by Kurt Eichenwald is amazing. I mean, it can't, I, I couldn't think of something that points to a better double standard about how these this issue of emails is being covered, uh, that according to Newsweek, uh, Trump apparently uh, had his companies or his companies deleted lots of emails in defiance of court orders um, and it's a really big story if you look at that he's been doing it over years and years and a lot of them they, they were these things these emails were actually subpoenaed and he was deleting them so it's like his whole line of attack on secretary clinton who's already been cleared from every from all the evidence that's already been reviewed anyway that she's been cleared of this yet you have him doing this over or his company's doing this over and over again and it gets hardly any attention at all yeah I, there's clearly a double standard here uh, and I don't know whether it's because uh, Hillary Clinton has been on the political scene so long or because she's a woman, uh, but she is getting nailed to the wall uh, for things that Donald Trump does routinely. Uh, and, I mean, there is a double standard here, and I think it's very troubling. And, again, I think, uh, you know, he's deleting emails. Uh, he's lying about it. Uh, he won't release his taxes. Uh, there's no transparency at all when it comes to Donald Trump. Uh, as you said many times on the show, Mark, he is the first major presidential candidate in our lifetime who has not released his tax returns. Some people believe the reason <clears throat> there are all sorts of theories why why he won't do it. Uh, but <clears throat> one theory that's taken on greater weight in the last few days is it because if he we look at his tax returns, it would show uh, that his financial the great financial dealings with the Russians. And I don't like the fact. Uh, I mean, Putin obviously has a horse in our presidential race, which troubles me uh, in general. Uh, but here you have a guy, Donald Trump, who has all sorts of financial ties to Russia, uh, thinks a brutal dictator is a great leader, uh, and basically has said that he's going to sell out our NATO allies if uh, Russia attacks them. And the other thing is, he seems to be blissfully ignorant of, of things that Putin or Russia does. Uh, he said, couple, Trump said a couple of months ago, uh, that uh, Russia has no designs on Ukraine. Well, there are a couple problems with that. Uh, problem one is the Russians have already occupied about a quarter of the Ukraine, uh, the Crimea Peninsula. I don't know if uh, Trump missed that uh, or just wants to ignore it. And then, uh, second, the idea that the Russians don't have any uh, designs on the Ukraine is just ridiculous. Uh, the Ukraine has Russia's richest farmland. It has a lot of uh, industry uh, that used to 
belong to the Soviet Union, now the independent Ukraine. And I find this situation and is uh, uh, Trump's uh, inclination to give the Russians a pass uh, a very dangerous. I mean, we're almost, you know, we're close to having a war with Russia in Syria. And at this time, for Trump to, you know, basically say, oh, you know, Vladimir, you can do what you want in Eastern Europe. Uh, we're not going to, I'm not going to bother you. Uh, then that is a great national security danger to the nation. It's especially ironic when Mitt Romney, the last Republican nominee, uh, identified uh, Russia and Putin as our number one enemy in debates with President Obama in 2012. And now you have the Republican Party doing a complete 180. And if you want to say the establishment isn't, well, good luck with that, because Mike Pence, who apparently represents the establishment, praised Putin and then defended his words during the vice presidential debate. So that's a load of crap. The other thing you have regarding the tax returns, Brad, this is another big development. Speaking of Pence, as I mentioned, uh, he confirmed with... uh, uh, Chuck Todd, when they were discussing this uh, regarding the tax returns, that Trump just filed his tax return for this year, so it can't yet be under audit, which is why he, which is what he was claiming was why he couldn't release his tax returns. So it just proves the lie, and the fact that that didn't get more attention is just unbelievable if you think about the fact that it's been four decades of major presidential nominees, all, or excuse me, candidates, all releasing their tax returns. And going back to that story uh, that Kurt Eichenwald uh, wrote, which, let me get the title here. It's entitled, Donald Trump's Companies Destroyed or Hid Documents in Defiance of Court Orders. And there's actually, it's a longer article, but I'm going to give a summary from the Washington Post for those who aren't familiar with the contents. All right. Yeah. This is Kalen Brockers. One second, Brad. So it says, in a cover story for the new edition of Newsweek, Eichenwald reports that over, quote, over the course of decades, Donald Trump's companies have systematically destroyed or hidden thousands of emails, digital records, and paper documents demanded in official proceedings, often in defiance of court orders. Here's the key context, quote, this behavior is of particular importance given Trump's frequent condemnations of Hillary Clinton, his Democratic opponent, for having deleted more than 30,000 emails from a server she used during her time as Secretary of State. Uh, Trump accused uh, Clinton of tr- uh, trying to politicize the FBI email investigation. The FBI on Friday obviously made their announcement uh, with the vague letter from Comey. And we also have, uh, in short, Eichenwald's story suggests that Trump is a hypocrite. Previous articles by Eichenwald have have chronicled potential conflicts of interest presented by Trump's many overseas investments and alleged that the real estate mogul violated a U.S. embargo against Cuba. The reaction of former Trump campaign manager Corey Lewandowski to the foreign investment story suggested that Eichenwald is well-known and much loathed in the candidate's orbit. Quote, he has zero credibility, Lewandowski said, uh, and then went on to claim falsely that Eichenwald refused to fact-check the story with the Trump organization. But Trump's team actually declined to comment and has said that George W. Bush was directly involved with 9-11. Eichenwald has said no such thing. So you have... uh, Eichenwald writing back saying, because I have written critically about Trump uh, this month, I have received innumerable death threats, sometimes just general invocations that I should die, sometimes more specific threats that I should be shot or lynched, as one Trump fan wrote. I have been called kike, Jew, 
and anti-American Zionist, even though I'm Episcopalian with a Jewish father, as if that makes a difference. I have received video cartoons that look like they are from Nazi Germany of hook-nosed men dressed in Jewish garb, rubbing their hands greedily over piles of money. I have been told to go back where I came from, whatever that means. In one particularly alarming incident, Eichenwald received a Twitter message from Mike's Deplorable AF that included a video featuring what he described as some sort of strobe light with flashing circles and images of Peep, which is an alt-right frog flying toward the screen. Eichenwald has epilepsy. The video was designed to trigger a seizure. Fortunately, since I was standing, I simply dropped my iPad to the ground the second I realized what Mike had done. It landed face down on the bathroom floor. Eichenwald's latest story is another interesting look at Trump's business practices. It's also a reminder of the hostile environment in which some journalists are producing such reports. Brad, the fact that this guy has to put up with this is ridiculous. But again, the contents of the story matter most, that Trump is doing this while criticizing Hillary Clinton. Yeah, and again, uh, there's a clear double standard here. Uh, Donald Trump seemingly can get away. I mean, Hillary Clinton, and I'm not excusing her handling of the emails. I think she did a very judge. That, you know, she made a mistake there. Uh, but you know, Trump can skate by uh, and, you know, get away with murder. Uh, things that they, you know, beat up Hillary on, uh, Trump seems to uh, just skate three. And one of the things you mentioned, which I, I'd like to comment on, uh, is uh, the, amp- the anti-Semitism that comes out of, of the Trump campaign. Uh, a good example, and it it close to what happened to Eichenwald, is uh, you mentioned uh, in your in the opening segment, um, Mattia Gold, who is a reporter for Politico. Uh, she has been uh, a Trump supporter. Uh, put out a tweet uh, which has uh, her face uh, a SWAT sticker. Uh, it's superimposed on her face, and they say basically, uh, you know, Matteo, watch out. The Jews are first in line if Donald's elected president. Uh, this is pretty scary stuff. Uh, I still think a nation can take step backward and tolerate this, this kind of anti-Semitism, uh, which, you know, I thought had pretty much dissipated uh, until the presidential election this year. Uh, but there's so many troubling things about the Trump campaign. Uh, you could spend hours talking about it. No, exactly. Brad, we're going to run to break here, but uh, it's actually uh, worth taking a longer look at this alt-right movement and how they've inspired some of the worst hate, including anti-Semitism, uh, towards people who criticize Trump. There is actually a, a great uh, show that I uh, would highly recommend called Full Frontal with Samantha B that airs on TV. And her most recent episode called Feeling Alt-Right actually does a great job documenting um, this movement and how it's directly tied to the Trump campaign through Steve Bannon, uh, who formerly headed Breitbart, which really uh, energized this alt-right movement. And you see a lot of what's happening with that. So I would definitely highly recommend that. We're going to be back after this quick commercial break. Brad Bannon and Mark Grimaldi, you can join us at 8886-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. Just a reminder, we've got one more segment here after the break, and then Leslie will be back for the second hour and finally brad and i will finish things up from 5 to 6 p.m eastern we'll be right back life liberty and the pursuit of truth the leslie marshall show 8886 leslie
Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romali and Brad Bannon with you for one more segment as uh, we're going to have Leslie Marshall back from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern. And then uh, Brad and I will be back for the final hour from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern. I wanted to share a little bit of the report regarding uh, the New York Times reported yesterday regarding Trump avoiding paying millions in taxes using uh, a questionable method. Uh, This is from CBS News. It's a summary of the Longer Times article. Uh, Donald Trump avoided paying potentially hundreds of millions of dollars in taxes in a way even his own lawyers considered questionable, the Times reported Monday. The newspaper said the maneuver, which was eventually banned by Congress in 1994, also may explain how Trump posted a one-year loss of more than $900 million a few years later, enabling him to avoid paying federal income taxes for perhaps 18 years. Using the maneuver, Trump might have escaped paying tens of millions of dollars in personal income taxes, the report said, but there's no way to know for sure since he has refused to release his tax returns. At issue is how Trump was able to cancel hundreds of millions of dollars of debt as his casino empire in Atlantic City went broke in the early 1990s. Canceled debt generally is treated as taxable income, meaning Trump would have owed the IRS significant money on debt that his creditors forgave him. The Times said it obtained documents from 25 years ago showing Trump essentially traded the debt relief for nearly worthless partnership equity to avoid any tax liability. In practice, the strategy was almost identical to a tax maneuver that was already outlawed but differed in minor details. Trump's own lawyers advised him the IRS would likely find it improper if he were audited, the paper said. Tax experts told the Times that the maneuver used resulted from unclear provisions of highly technical tax court filings, the report said, which also added that it was a new twist on something corporations had been relying on for years to avoid taxes that resulted from canceled debt. Trump declined to comment for the story, the report said, but his spokeswoman, Hope Hicks, provided a very critical statement. Quote, your email suggests either a fundamental misunderstanding or an intentional misreading of the law. Your thesis is a criticism, not just of Mr. Trump, but of all taxpayers who take time and spend the money to try to comply with the dizzyingly complex and ambiguous tax laws without paying more tax than they owe. Mr. Trump does not think taxpayers should file returns that resolve all doubt in favor of the IRS and any tax experts that you have consulted are engaged in pure speculation. There's no news here, end quote. Hillary Clinton, when she was a New York senator, was among the lawmakers who voted to close the loophole. Again, Brad, another example of Donald Trump potentially breaking the law, breaking tax law, but we can't prove it because he won't release his taxes, the first major uh, presidential candidate to not do so in 40 years. And this is another great job of reporting by the Times, going back through the records and finding more wrongdoings by Trump. Yeah, again, you know, Trump has broke, you know, precedent uh, that's going on in a lifetime. I think Americans elect the president, they have a right to know uh, about his financial dealings, especially if they're financial dealings uh, with the Russians. Uh, And I think that's one of the things, you know, this, you know, what uh, this whole thing with Trump and his taxes just bears out something that Hillary Clinton has said. There's got, you got to close down uh, companies uh, avoid paying billions of dollars every year to the United States government. You know, some companies don't pay any taxes at all. I mean, the classic example uh, is a couple years ago, General Electric, uh, which is one of the was one of the biggest companies uh, in the United States, paid no taxes. I paid more taxes that year than General Electric, and my guess is General Electric made more money than I did that year. 
And Hillary Clinton has uh, promised that uh, she is going to fight to close tax loopholes uh, and use some of that money that you would get uh, from closing the loopholes uh, to fund, uh, you know, vital programs. Uh, a good example is uh, uh, infrastructure. Uh, Hillary Clinton has uh promised a major initiative to fix our bridges, uh, roads, uh, state roads, water systems, everything's breaking down because they're all so old. And one thing Hillary Clinton would do uh, is use uh, $250 million from that, uh, from closing uh, business loopholes, to fund infrastructure improvement. And we desperately need infrastructure improvement. Our roads are falling apart. Our, you know, water, uh, you know, systems are falling apart. Uh, look what happened in Flint, Michigan. Uh, and uh, that's, you know, the whole tax thing just shows that what Hillary Clinton is saying is true. Uh, businesses should pay their fair share. Uh, the Donald Trumps of the world should pay their fair share just like everybody else. And if we close those loopholes, we'll have money uh, to uh, give more college to uh, financial aid to college students since the infrastructure um, or whatever. Brad, I also wanted to uh, bring up a couple other topics, but if we don't get to them in the final three minutes uh, of this hour, we'll get them to uh, we'll get to them in the next hour. We've got uh, Ishmael uh, in Virginia who wanted to uh, bring up a question. Ishmael, uh, thanks for joining us, and go ahead with your thoughts. Thank you, Mark, and thank you, Brad. Hi. You have to get permission from Leslie to get you two guys you stuck in the show. I, I appreciate it. Ishmael, can you come off a speakerphone by any chance, bud? Okay, yes. There we go. Go ahead. Go ahead. Much better. So what I wanted to know, Mark, you, you guys just listed a book of things that, that, that Donald Trump broke. I mean, where's the IRS? Where's the FBI? Where's the state of New Jersey IRS? Where's the state of New York? I mean, you just list a lot of different things that, that he can be prosecuted and brought to justice on. Where is everybody? Well, you do have uh, a couple of things which he was already indicted and they found enough to go to trial with on Trump University, which will be happening next month. Uh, his lawyers are going to have to uh, come into court to defend him in the initial proceedings of uh, a case where he's accused of raping a woman when she was just a girl at the age of 13 years old. The one thing I did wonder about uh, with potentially the most, uh, I guess, well, there's two as far as what people could go after him legally for. Number one would be the Eichenwald story, which shows that Trump deleted all these emails that were being requested uh, in federal investigations or, or got rid, you know, actually got rid of all these paper records. And now that this has been reported publicly, I wonder if some of these investigators are going to go back and find out if they can do anything about it. And then the other one is, and I'm sure this one I have more of a feeling maybe um, fixed in-house because the pollster is a Republican pollster, but you never know. But the Trump, Trump campaign is disputing a bill uh, with its pollster uh, and refusing to pay him three-quarters of a million dollars. And I'm sure he's not just going to walk away and say, okay, you don't have to pay me from that. Um, in our last minute, uh, we're going to just preview what we're going to talk about uh, from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, there's been a story that's being reported, uh, which you've probably heard a little bit over the last couple days, that uh, Republican Senator Richard Burr uh, joked about gun owners shooting Hillary Clinton. And additional big news, he said that if um, Hillary Clinton becomes president, 
uh, that he is going to do everything he can to make sure four years from now we still have an opening on the Supreme Court, which I think is massive news and huge obstructionism. We also have a judge ordering the Republican uh, National Committee to detail voter fraud packs with the Trump campaign and more. Uh, but in the next hour, we're going to have Leslie Marshall back, so please uh, stay tuned. And uh, Brad will be back with myself, Mark Romaldi, from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern. You can follow him on Twitter in the meantime, at Brad Bannon and myself, Mark Grimaldi at Mark J. Grimaldi. That's G-R-I-M-A-L-D-I. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love.